spins a web any size. Catch your seeds just like flies. Look out! Here comes the Spider-Man. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Amazing Spider-Man Classics. My name is John Wilson and this is wrapping up the episodes for May of 2010. Today, Jeffrey Taylor joins us for the final time this month with myself, Josh Bertoni, Donovan Grant, as we wrap up our conversations regarding Amazing Spider-Man. This one is going to be covering issues number 12 and 13, which will wrap up the saga of Betty Brant and Dr. Tentacular. Octopus, and also introduce us to Quentin Beck, the mysterious Mysterio. So, going to get right to that now, and I want to also remind you to check out the website, AmazingSpiderMan.Libson.com, for all your uh, X-Men blog needs, in addition to the show postings for this episode, and also to check out From Crisis to Crisis, the Superman podcast, co-hosted by our guest this month, Jeffrey Taylor. And now we rejoin the conversation. And now, we move to February 11th, 1964, which saw the release of Amazing Spider-Man 12, cover dated May. Mr. Bertoni, take it away. Well, Spider-Man's mad because J. Jonah Jameson wrote an article bad-mouthing him, which shouldn't really surprise Spider-Man at this point, but apparently it does. So he's so he's in his costume, and he's about to swing to the Daily Bugle to do something to bother Jonah, but he peeks in the window and sees that Jonah's latest secretary has just quit, and Betty Brant returns, but she's not alone. She has with her a brand new 60s hairdo. Woohoo! And it's really... She, a, she grew it out for the day. It's, it's, a really, <laughs> it's a really warm reunion with her and Jonah. He's like, oh... Of course I need you. Get back to work. Which is, you know, pretty much like the J. Jonah Jameson equivalent of getting a hug. <laughs> Don't just stand there. So Spider-Man makes the decision. I was going to annoy Jonah, but, you know, chicks, boobs, you know. So he changes back into Peter <laughs> Parker, goes into the Daily Bugle to welcome Betty Brant back. But Jonah, you know, cockbocks him again saying, you can't be in here. You don't have any pictures. So meanwhile, Doc Ock, oh my gosh, he is, um, Doc Ock really wants some attention, in other words. Oh, I didn't read the splash page, but that's okay. I mean, we're not doing like, you know. I love the, I love the credits on the splash pages. That that's one of my favorite things. Yeah. The splash pages are so great. I've got to continue my spectacular career so that Spider-Man will read about my exploits and try to attack me again. In other <laughs> words, dude, you need help. Wait, I is... know I'm stronger than he is. I know I'll destroy him when next we meet. But for so long as he lives, I'll never be truly safe. I've got to force him to fight me again. But why hasn't he followed me? I've given him every chance. All the bait he needs. Perhaps I'll have to return to New York and find him. First of all, yeah, you think? Maybe you'll find <laughs> Spider-Man in New York. And second of all, dude, you're doing all these crimes and you're mad that Spider-Man isn't showing up? This is, um, yeah. <laughs> cart before horse maybe i don't know he's he's definitely got his priorities confused here have there ever been any drawings of dr octopus pulling like a mr burns putting his fingers together to say excellent but he's also doing oh, it at I the wish, same I time with his, with his tentacles <laughs> excellent click 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 well aunt may is saying to peter that he feels a little warm he's probably getting a cold which even as a kid i never understood when you're warm how come you have a cold that doesn't make sense but i mean i i obviously as an adult now i know what it means but it's well, you know, I, I can I tell you it's, it's for the exact same reason that you drive in a parkway and park in a driveway yeah peter actually yeah. and actually this time aunt may's actually right she's always saying oh peter you're getting sick son of a gun aunt may was actually right this issue but peter doesn't know that yet he actually wants to go out to the west coast and fight doc ock where he is but he doesn't have the money and there's school coming up i guess he blew all the money going to philly to track down you know his piece of tail girlfriend 
So he goes he goes to school, and we get some, and everyone's reading the Daily Bugle. I'll cry around Flash, and we get some uh, foreshadowing from Liz. I wonder if we'll ever find out who Spider Man really is. <laughs> Look, the Bugle even has a picture of a spider trying to show how dangerous they are, and claiming that Spider Man must be dangerous too. Here we uh, go. Great reporting by the Bugle. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I knew it! This is proof that Spider-Man's dangerous. Real spiders are dangerous. Ergo, Spider-Man's dangerous. And we have overcompensation again with Peter Parker. Oh god, overcompensation. He's like, if I even if I even act interested in spiders, people will know I'm Spider-Man. I hate spiders. <laughs> They're such ugly, icky-looking things. I'd rather not even talk about them. <laughs> know what I like about you, Parker? <laughs> You're such a rugged, fearless He-Man. Oh, another Here game. we go again, He-Man. Yeah. He-Man. Did, did you ever hear Stanley's reason for uh, not giving Spider-Man organic web shooters in the beginning? Because he didn't want the web shooters to come off his buttocks. Exactly. I was afraid that was. I didn't. I didn't even know. I was afraid that was the answer. That's, That's exactly what. The... Yeah. That. I I heard that in an, in an interview. I can't remember which one it was. So, anyway, uh, Steve Ditko ch- uh, channels Peter Parker in this panel when he says, Go ahead, clown, you bird brain. <laughs> go, go ahead, laugh, you bird brain clown. Someday, everyone will realize that it's only the people who are inferior themselves that keep picking on others. That is the Steve Ditko for How about oh, that? God. I'm to sound like a teenage Billy Graham. Yeah, or Ayn Rand. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Dr. Octopus and his obsession with Freddie Brand continues. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I'm not going to read this whole book panel by panel, but I have to do this. Not long afterwards, Benny Brant receives a mysterious phone call. You got to have like. (laughs) 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 Yes, this is she. Hello? Who's there? Hello? Why don't you answer? Now that I know she's back working for the Daily Bugle, I'll be able to use her as bait to catch Spider Man. He risked his life to help her once before, so why not again? He hung up! It sounded like... Oh no, that's impossible. It can't be! And as Betty Brandt's like about to fall apart, like, you know, <laughs> worried about getting possibly raped by Doc Ock. Get to work, Miss Brandt! I don't pay you to daydream! Yeah, <laughs> look at her face. She's like, she's she's traumatized. She can't move. But she's fine by the end of the day. Yeah, so Peter comes in to pick up Betty because it's the end of her shift. But Doc Ock comes in. And, now, now, uh, now, I, I want to interrupt you for a second because we saw him parading all over America. And this is the next day he's back in New York. So my theory is... This is another Stan Lee, Steve Ditko lack of communication. There's nothing in the art that says that, Steve, that Dr. Octopus is anywhere but New York, and Stan Lee just wrote the wrong thing. Maybe he uses t- t- uh, tentacles as propellers and they kind of flew around. <laughs> oh my god. Like go, go Gadget Copter. <laughs> <laughs> or you could just subscribe to the whole idea that it's a small world after all. It's like in Heroes where like somebody's like, oh my god, we're in Texas. We have to get to New York quick before Claire dies. And then they're in New York like the same episode. <laughs> and like a day has passed. Don't even get me started about 24. They, oh, it's called good. moving at the speed of plots. There's a whole page. Yes. Right <laughs> you move at the speed of plots. Except that there's no reason for, him to, for Doc Ock to have been on the West Coast. So Dr. Octopus uses three of his tentacles, one for uh, Jonah, one for Peter, and one for Betty. By the way, this is Peter and Doc Ock's first meeting, although they do recon something in Dr. Octopus Year One. But every, almost every other continuity incarnation has it that Peter and Dr. Octopus were, you know, knew each other from the scientific community or that Dr. Octopus was a teacher or mentor of his. But this is the, their first meeting until it's retconned in that uh, miniseries years later. So he wants to fight Spider-Man. 
he's really being very sociopathic about it. I guess maybe he also wants to get with Betty, so two birds with one stone. So he tells uh, Jonah to, to put a notice in his paper that Spider-Man needs to contact Jonah. Then Jonah's supposed to relay the message that Dr. Octopus is at Coney Island and that he has Betty Brandt. And Jonah's not supposed to go to police or Betty will be harmed. And hey, you need a, you should send a photographer to take pictures because it'll be convenient for the plot. Uh, I mean, I want to gloat over my defeat. I'll send you, Parker. It'll be the scoop of the century. Your secretary is being kidnapped. He's like, wow, this will be the scoop of the century. Show some concern, Jonah. Oh, my God. Well, speaking of moving at the speed of plot, I have taken the subway, which is the fastest way to get from Midtown Manhattan to Coney Island. It takes over an hour. Yeah. I've got to print an extra right away telling Spider-Man to contact me. I hope he'll see it. Don't be afraid, Betty. Spider-Man will save you. Peter's the only one who's concerned. So, of course, Spider-Man, you know, shows up, pretends that he doesn't know what's going on. And so he's off. So he talks to Jonah. Meanwhile, he's kind of thinking in his head, you know what? I am kind of getting sick. Huh? Jonah decides, you know what? It's funny that Spider-Man doesn't just go straight out to Coney Island. Since he does know, he's got to pretend that he doesn't know. But it's a secret identity identity thing. Yeah. Yeah. And and Spider-Man does a lot to protect his secret identity at the peril of his friends and co-workers. Spider-Man risked his life to save... And granted, Dr. Octopus doesn't know this yet, but risked his life to save Peter Parker's girlfriend. But by the time of Spider-Man Annual 1, it's just this common knowledge among the Spider-Man villains. If you kidnap Betty Brand, Spider-Man's going to show up. Well, another another, another example of why Spider-Man is nothing like Superman. <laughs> yes, and and uh, th- this scene, did it make anybody think of Spider-Man 2 by any chance? Doc Which... Ock showing up to, to take the girl in front of Peter Parker so that oh, Spider-Man... Tear, oh, mean, I, I oh, tear the flesh off her bones. I thought, I thought you meant because he, he, he was unmasked. And it reminds me of Spider-Man movies in general. Even though Parker is my best freelance photographer, I can't take any chance of him muffing this job. Maybe I'd better get to Coney Island myself. It's midwinter, so the amusements will all be shut down for this season. I'll make sure that Dr. Octopus doesn't see me, but I'll have a chance to observe whatever happens firsthand. Why are you not worried about Betty? Oh my god! <laughs> Come on, dude! He's not concerned at all. Betty might be sexually assaulted as we speak. You know what, what? this is, though? You know oh what this no, is, I though? might have to get another secretary. <laughs> this is him speaking out loud, not inner thinking, so he's actually saying this for the sake of everyone else around him. He doesn't want to uh, betray his feelings for Betty. Your thoughts betray you, Jonah. I feel the good in you, the conflict. Disturbance. <laughs> Happy Star Wars Day, May 4th. So me unlimited power, unlimited power, and your lack of apathy disturbing. Okay, so Betty luckily isn't getting raped or sexually assaulted because she's on yes. the top of the Ferris wheel, but she is worried. She's like, "But what if he doesn't show up? That would be too bad for you, my dear. For you, oh, oh my God." <laughs> <laughs> Well, he sets her down because he thinks that maybe that'll help for the photographer. But she decides, hey, wait a second, I'm a girl and girls have long fingernails and I'll use that to cut my ropes free. In that between pages uh, six and seven, there was some uh, dirty activities on Otto's part. Go ahead and clean yourself up. Spider-Man, at this point, he can barely stay up on his feet because of this virus that's attacking him. But he's focused. He's at Coney Island. He's got to save Betty from Dr. Octopus. But looks like Betty saved herself. She's running off. I did it. I'm free. Now if I could just reach the street in time. I just imagine her like saying this, like almost breaking crime because she knows she's going to be sexually assaulted. So you think you can escape me, do you? This time. <laughs> I shall not be so forgiving. He's reaching for Betty! Oh, this is is horrible. 
Oh my god, yeah, this this contact. He's reaching for Betty. It's now or never. So Peter Parker, as Spider-Man, gets Dr. Octopus, and he's like, all right, I'm going to knock him out in one punch. But what? My punch is weak. What sort of stunt is this, Spider-Man? I know you can hit harder than that. If this is some sort of trick, it'll do you no good. You won't be given a second chance. So Dr. Octopus basically beats Spider-Man like a stepchild. (laughs) At this point, a red-headed stepchild. Yeah, with a red mask. Uh, Joan is now here with the police, but he didn't call the police because, you know, he's a jerk like that. Betty called them, which is what should have been done in the first place, because, hey, maybe you should have been more concerned about her, but whatever. He's almost unconscious. I can't believe it. He doesn't even struggle as I try to remove his mask. There can only be one answer. Mr. Jameson, look, he's beating Spider-Man. So quickly? How? And where's Parker? He should be photographing this. And then he's unmasked. I should have known. It isn't Spider-Man. It's that brat weakling Peter Parker. Peter! He did it for me! Oh, he might have been killed! The fool! I ordered him to take pictures of Octopus, not try and be a hero. And then the cop, of course, you mean you knew Dr. Octopus was here? By the way, <laughs> that's a great like line. There's a wizard Spider-Man uh, poll of, like, top embarrassing Spider-Man moments, and this was number one because the moment that Spider-Man's unmasked, nobody, nobody even suspected for a second that it was Peter Parker. They immediately said, oh, Peter, you're just trying to impersonate Spider-Man. And of all the crimes that Doc Ock commits, he gets arrested for child abuse. <laughs> Beating up on him. <laughs> or, well, hey, we don't know how old Betty is yet. <laughs> I mean, if you know, if Betty's 17, I mean, you can get Dr. Ock for statutory rape. Well, however old Peter is, she's one year younger. If Peter's 18, yeah, Peter's not 19 at this point. Cause, uh, he's, so, he's still well in high school. In fact, I think that Daredevil calls him 17 in um, an upcoming issue, but that's his radar sense. So Peter might, so Daredevil might be off. But yeah, Betty's 16 or 17 then, so. Ugh. <laughs> Dr. Octopus gets mad and throws Peter up against the cops and is like, ah, forget this. So he goes away, realizes that Spider-Man probably, you know, got scared off by the police, who basically give Jameson the what for. Jameson, next time you withhold information from us, it'll go hard with you. If you had told us about this, we could have set a trap for Octopus and caught him by now. But you thought more of an exclusive story than anything else. Anything else, like your secretary's life? (laughs) He had to come in. Like, this guy, like, seriously, Jameson's, like, being the most idiotic in this room. And Betty's just cradling Peter. Oh, poor Peter, you foolish, wonderful boy. Oh, if anything had happened to you. So he's returned home, and it's confirmed by Aunt May and the doctor that, yeah, he had a virus. Uh, the police officers decided to save him the lecture, so they told Aunt May that uh, he fainted in the streets. And Peter has a dream that Spider-Man's yelling at him. I love, I love that. Yeah, which is kind of funny. What are you? Some kind of nut or something? You could have had you. You should have your head examined for appearing as Spider-Man when you were so weak. You knew that viruses are the one thing even your spider strength can't resist. But I was so worried about Patty. So worried. Just yes, for the record, that doctor there is again listed as Doctor Bromwell in the uh, index. Lies and, and slander. So the next day, Peter wakes up, he's feeling like a million bucks, and by this point... A zillion bucks. A zillion bucks. <laughs> Whatever. There's a, there's a huge difference. But he's ready to face the world and their reactions to this unmasking. Aunt May has since learned the truth because somebody returned the Spider-Man costume to her. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to burn an Aunt May, don't worry. He goes to school, and of course, Flash is ripping into him. But Liz, oh my god. I guess Liz has a fetish about people dressing up in costumes because he cannot shake her at this point. Peter, we heard all about last night. 
Why did you ever try to impersonate Spider-Man? If you don't mind, Liz, I'd rather not talk about it. But I think it was the most wonderful thing I've ever heard of. And her yeah. eyes light up. And yeah, her Liz, eyes are lighting up. Liz is a complete turn here from, you know, antagonist to super annoying stalker girl. Oh my god, yeah. yeah this is the huge change. Yeah, and she just, like, lays in the Flash, because Flash is like, oh, whatever, you're Beauty Parker. Let me tell you something, Flash Thompson. As far as I'm concerned, Peter Parker proved he has enough courage to match his brains. And as for you, my dear ex-boyfriend, you've got neither. Gosh, Liz, what are you mad at me for? They were boyfriend and girlfriend? <laughs> I love how that's your reaction. Yeah, they were. They're just like palling around. They were going out on dates, and when Peter ditched her in that Sandman story, she said that she had another date, and Flash is like, yeah, with me, get lost, chump. <laughs> well, they only made it to first base, which in 1964 was holding hands. Well, Flash and Liz are very on again, off again, because, like, she breaks up with him here, but every other issue, like, they, they still act as if they're dating, even though she's oh, only yeah, trying yeah. to get with Peter. And, and Untold the Tales is the same thing. I think they totally have a backseat relationship at this point. Yeah, holy smoke, what changed Liz Allen? And why am I spelling her name with an E? She never even, <laughs> she never <laughs> even knew I was alive. What changed Liz Allen? She's got a fetish for people dressing up in costumes. I mean, look who she married. This is such a, <laughs> a, a, a sex-stop episode. Dr. Octopus is a little more angry, though, than Liz Allen is at Flash Thompson. He's ripping up these newspapers because everyone is giving him the what for in the media that a teenager outsmarted him. So his reaction set a bunch of animals free at the zoo. Which really, you'd think uh, the zoo security and everything, they'd be able to catch these animals quickly. And I'm sure that there's not that many animals at this zoo, but it's enough that like the city's in a mass chaos. Does anyone else think of this scene whenever they watch 12 Monkeys? No, because I never watched 12 Monkeys. Later oh, I love 12 Monkeys. What? Um, I'm oh because of the all the animals running animals loose and getting out of the zoo. Yeah, every yeah, time I I, having read this book probably 25 did, times did, did, before I saw. Did you ever see Monkeys. La Jete? I did not. That's what Twelve Monkeys was based on. It was a French film. So, if you're a fan of Twelve Monkeys, check it out. That, that's pretty much the original. Okay, cool. Well, Twelve Monkeys was loosely based on it. Twelve Monkeys t- took took that idea and ran. Okay. But I, I believe even at the beginning it says inspired by or based on the story La Jete. Okay, I'll have to watch for that. So okay. Peter's trying to get to the animals to, you know, stop them because the city's in a mass panic. And this is basically a Benny Hill scene right here because Peter's being chased by Liz, who's being chased by Flash. This is nuts. Liz wouldn't give me a tumble before, which is a line that Gwen repeats later. But now she's following me around like a left cat. Peter, wait for me. I'll walk home with you. I want to ask you something. Liz, wait. I thought we were going bowling this afternoon. Liz. Even though you publicly dumped him in the middle of, like, the whole school, you still think you were going to go bowling? It's like, okay, okay, we're broken up. So um, what time are you going to meet me at the bowling alley? Well, bowling's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you, you get Especially disco pump. bowling. Oh, God. I used, you know that was my job for eight months. I was a DJ for disco bowling. I kid you not. That's okay. I, I, I used to have a job looking for porn on the internet. Context? A job, you say? Con- yes. Context is that, that uh, I, I worked for a site. Um, it's called Tripod, which at the time was huge. I remember that. Tripod? Yeah, it was where you could go and make uh, a member page. You could make your own homepage, basically. And um, my job was to go through to, um, if anybody was posting pornography, I had to take down their page. So my, my job was to look for porn on the internet. That's pretty funny. Well, my brother works, for, works uh, currently for Filmation, and his job is to go and find all the Filmation's copyrighted stuff on YouTube and take it down. 
Oh, which that's, is not, that's that's nice. Not as much fun as porn, but hey, it's it's anime. So while oh, I'll, Fla- I'll I'll tell you after a while it gets taxing. So while Flash and Liz are having their little argument, Peter uses that chance to jump to the roof and swing away, which Pete's gone. I've lost him. Flash Thompson, I'll thank you to stop following me. And then they continue arguing about Peter and, you know, Liz is like, well, perhaps I've grown mature enough to realize a boy needs more than a football letter to really be a man. Nope, this is what he needs to do to be a man. He needs to fight a bunch of circus animals, and this is, like, ridiculous. Spider-Man's jumping on lions, and... That lion is Craven's oh God. dad. Yeah, he's fighting a bear, and <laughs> he webs the bear's mouth, and then a gorilla. A very, wow, a very proportionally inaccurate gorilla, I have to say. <laughs> this place is filled with them. There's a gorilla perched on the ledge above me. Be right with you, Fuzzy. Whoop, I didn't expect him to drop down and meet me. And he lands on a flagpole, and... This is such a crazy fight. <laughs> and and the, the 250 to, you know, 500 pounds of gorilla doesn't snap the flagpole? <laughs> nope. So, Spider, by, so Spider-Man rounds up all the zoo animals, and Dr. Octopus, he's still having his attention problems. Like, he just wants Spider-Man to show up. Like, this, his motive isn't to rob or to cause damage. He wants Spider-Man. He's flipping over cars. I won't stop until I find Spider-Man. Do you hear me? Bring me Spider-Man. And then we have the cop from South Park. Back. Everyone back. No need for alarm. <laughs> we'll handle this. Clear the streets. Nothing to see here. <laughs> and, like, there's a car being flipped Move along. right behind him. He's knocked. Dr. Octopus is knocking over um, a neon sign for, what is it? Let... Let it's it? Le- it's Lee Dit Incorporated. Lee. Uh, oh, I, I never noticed that. Hypno coin. So Spider-Man finally <laughs> catches up with uh, Dr. Octopus and Jonah's like, I wonder if it's Spider-Man or if it's Peter Parker again. But, you know, he's on top of a water tower and webbing. So how's Peter doing that? Don't say that, Mr. Jameson. It mustn't be Peter. It just mustn't. And uh, Spider-Man dodges some tentacles from Dr. Octopus that break a water tower and it drenches Jonah. Blast him! That's the real Spider-Man, alright? Parker would never have the nerve to soak me that way. But Betty's concerned about Spider-Man, but, like, the dialogue and the art do not match, because it looks like... She looks like she's yawning. I know, that's what I always thought. It's like, oh, Mr. Jameson, (laughs) Dr. Octopus is so much bigger, so much more vicious, what chance... It's like she's... It's like this is a movie and they're filming this and that's, like, the 90th take or something and she just doesn't have her heart in the lines anymore. So the fight continues. It's, it's kind of like the scene in Superman 2 where the big fight's going on, but everybody's just watching from the Daily Planet building. Yeah. The fight continues. You know, they climb up a, ch- a big, you know, smokestack chimney, and Dr. Ock is webbed, but he makes himself go close to the chimney so that the web falls off. They're on a roof. Spider-Man jumps into an air shaft and slingshots himself out and punches Doc Ock in the jaw, which he thought would knock him out when he didn't have the vi- when he had the virus before, but now that he's virus-free, looks like he was wrong because it doesn't knock him out. Eventually, through this fighting, they cry crash land into some artist's sculpture studio and we knocked over the sculpture's cleaning fluid it's starting a fire okay reasonable explanation that poor sculptor though like all of his life's work is being ruined and again peter's like spider-man's like we got to get out of here there's a fire uh we're both going to be trapped in here dr octopus is not having he's like no we will stay and fight and then a statue lands on him 
Ah, wait, what happened? Can't get this off me. I'm trapped. And then the floor collapses, and <laughs> that's the end of Doc Ock for the issue until the police arrest him. So now Spider-Man's got to get out, and we have the classic, oh, no, I'm out of web fluid. Five panels of this. Yeah. And he's like, oh, wait, I'll just refill my cartridges. And it's just there to, like, show you how his web shooters work, really. If they did this now, I'm sure lots of fans would be annoyed. What do you think this is, my first issue? Could be, yes. So he uses the webs on his feet so that way, and on the floor, so that way he doesn't step on the fire, and he puts, like, a little shield around himself. So that and Stanley is getting really, uh, you know, poetic with the narration here. He's, like, using his amazing spiderweb like a virtuoso, playing out just the right amount of fluid at just the right split second. It's like, okay, he's just making little pads for himself to walk on. It's not like he's playing a violin or anything. <laughs> so he swings off, changes back to Peter Parker, and joins up with um, the love triangle that is Flash, Peter, and Liz again and they watch as Dr. Octopus gets dragged off by the cops and he's like, Spider-Man didn't beat me. It was the fire. If not for the fire, everything would have been different. Sure, sure. Every time you've met Spider-Man, he stopped you cold. Next time will be different. We know. Now then, Peter, what I wanted to ask you was... I'm having a party tonight, and and then okay, Peter oh, just basically what, shuts. What Peter, what Peter should say is, well, you know, if you hadn't made me feel like a jerk, chump, and ass for the last 15 years, I might go out with you. That's what he basically says, though. Like, he he basically gives them a backhanded in compliment. Sorry, Liz, no can do. I've got a date with a certain little brunette tonight, even though she may not know it yet. I'm sure Flash will be happy to go instead of me, although I know how boring it'll be to have to use all one-syllable words when you talk to him. Anyway, you deserve each other. Ooh. Oh, no, he didn't. Oh, yes, he did. Why is that crummy? Don't say well, that. Liz she is not that it. upset with Peter. Yeah, because she says exactly what you're about to say. Yeah, don't say it, Flash. We rated that after the way we've always treated Peter. So at least, you know, you, you could kind of feel sympathetic for Liz because at least she's like, you know what? I deserve that. And then Peter's like, huh, this was actually a pretty good day for me. I got some pigs. I could sell them to Jonah. Things are looking up for a couple of guys, for my favorite couple of guys, namely me. Whoa. Split personality, much me two couple of guys yeah well so, I, I i think that liz just doesn't like guys with glasses well actually that's mm-hmm. it's funny because in untold tales they they tried to plant the seeds for liz's attraction before uh it got to yeah. that point in the chronology and when uh peter lost his glasses there's a point where liz says um in the untold tales issue actually i think he's rather cute without his glasses and then of course the whole gang's like oh liz come on yeah <laughs> Did any of you guys know a Flash Thompson in high school? Uh, I knew probably. lots of Flash Thompsons in elementary, middle, and high school. I was I, the I epitome of... Them, but fortunately, I, I was already bigger than most of the football players, so it, it worked out okay. You're a pretty tall guy. I, I am 6'3 and a quarter. I don't think I knew a straight-up Flash Thompson, but I knew people that had little shades of Flash. Yeah, Flash and Liz, it's weird because he's like, uh, make Flash be your date. And Liz, like, she doesn't really deny it, so you wonder if maybe that's why in future issues she's kind of breaking up with him every other issue, but still sticking around as his girlfriend, but openly trying to get with Pete. And there's even one Stanley caption that calls her, in a future issue, Flash's reluctant girlfriend. Like, she's being forced to be his girlfriend against her will or something. 
mean? Well, I think they're still frack buddies well, she, after this. She's gotta, she's gotta have a boyfriend. I mean, that's important. That's the whole message in that oh. Twilight series. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, to have a boyfriend. I mean, there's nothing said here about you know, like Liz being the lead cheerleader or something like later incarnations. But I mean, that's basically what it is. The popular girl and the popular guy. They're kind of expected to be together, maybe. They're Brenda and Eddie. And Brenda I always and Eddie got the were still going steady in the summer of '75. Billy Joel. I always got the feeling when later on. Because there was that whole thing where Flash just hated Peter because he was being so... Flash thought that Peter was being a jerk to Betty by openly blowing her off the way he did. That was later a retcon. But also, he's like... Oh, Liz. I meant to say Liz. I'm sorry. I was getting to a point about Betty with this. But anyway, later on, when Flash was dating Betty, I have to wonder if, like, subconsciously, like, that was Flash's way of having revenge against Peter because Betty was Peter's girlfriend when Liz was trying to get with him. And now they, like, now he's with the person who Peter was dating at the time in high school. Messed up of his. Well, no. Do you know what I'm saying? Because you know. Yeah. This and, and this, neither Betty nor Liz eventually become serious girlfriend slash marriage material. Right. Because it it comes down to Gwen and then eventually Mary Jane, of course. Well, he almost but proposes. That, but that never happened. He, he does almost propose to Betty, but it's really like you know a competition thing. Like Ned proposed, I better propose fast. Yeah, but right. it wouldn't last. But no, Peter and no, uh, to, to come on, proposing out of it, yeah, that was it, it would have made a surefire, you know. Well, you know, even Both the marriage he did have didn't last. He was never married. <laughs> Good answer. Anyway, this unmasking we- is probably one of the most iconic moments we've hit so far, apart from the origin. I agree. I saw this cover and I remembered everything about Doc Ock and him getting sick. I remembered all that stuff. And it's been four or five years since I've read these. Right. I I remembered a good chunk of this story just based on the cover. I didn't get that from any of the other covers from what we're talking about. Even as recently as Civil War, after Peter unmasks, Octopus comes after him and he's ranting and raving about the time that he unmasked him and he was just a teenager. That was really him. Which means that whenever you beat me all those times, you were just a kid. And, you know, he even said says, you know, were you and your aunt laughing at me all these years? Because it's not only this kid, but it's the nephew of Aunt May, and he's wondering if Aunt May was in on this, if it was like some sick joke between the two of them. Yeah. Because, I mean, he has his whole history with Aunt May. So this is this is a very, very weighty moment in Spider-Man continuity. Yeah, and H- Harry brings it up later because Peter unmasks Spider-Man later on in issue, I believe it's 87. He walks into Gwen's party in the days, and Harry's like, hey, didn't something like this happen before? Oh, yeah. And Harry relays the story, but he conveniently leaves Betty Brandt out of it. And I'm guessing it's because Gwen's, like, having a nervous breakdown. And he doesn't want to mention, by the way, Peter did this to save his high school girlfriend. <laughs> Peter was wow. with another woman before he even met me? That bastard! Also, this is not the first time that Dr. Octopus has unmasked him, right? This is not the first time? Or, 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 or I mean, is this is not the last time, time, I should say. Not the last time. No, um, it isn't. Is there another one? Oh, uh, okay, I haven't seen... I haven't and read. he even mentions it in the Clone Saga, too, how, like, he couldn't... How, like, Dr. Octopus couldn't wrap his head around it. So, Flash has definitely lost some bulk in the... I mean, Steve Ditko's design form has changed. You look at page 12, where Liz and Flash are yelling at each other on the roof. Flash looks like a little boy. Not on, Even, they're not on a roof. Or wherever it is. That it looks they're on like. this. They're yeah. on this. Why would Flash and Liz be on a roof? I don't know why they're on a roof. I'm just saying this is what it looks like in the panel here. Okay. Yeah, Give me up, Scotty. They're on the streets. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, they, so, they, 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 do, they do look younger. They do look like, more teenage-like, which is only a good or, thing. Or even preteen. He looks like Archie Andrews. He, he lost his shoulder breath at all of his... Oh, but Betty, I was going to go to the, the pop, the pops, the soda pop place with Veronica and Jughead. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't tend to like when, when 
I actually really don't like it when teenagers are made to look like adults, so if they look younger, it's always better for me. Page 14, he says, well, that's the last of them. Boy, that Spider-Man is a poor man's Frank Buck. This is the first Ooh. time that I've read this book where I actually know who Frank Buck is. Because this weekend, past, I took the kids to visit my mom and stepdad, and Sunday we went to the Frank Buck Zoo, which is about 25 minutes from my mom's house. It's in a town called Gainesville, Texas, which is where Frank Yeah, Buck he collected was. wild animals or something, didn't he? Yeah, he was an animal collector in the early 20th century. He brought back lots of trophies from Africa uh, and made movies about the same sorts of th- uh, adventures. So uh, he's actually a rather famous early 20th century game hunter. He was he the founder of the San Diego Zoo? Not noticed that when I was reading up on him this morning, but that's very, very possible. He was born I don't know if he was the founder. I, I, I know he was eventually involved in the San Diego Zoo. He was Go born a few, a few towns north of my hometown. Went to work as a temporary director in 1923, signed to a three-year contract with the zoo's founder, and then the director had recommended Buck for the job, but quickly clashed with a strong-willed founder and left the zoo after three months to return to animal collecting. So he worked there for that- a while. That that was the Bronx Zoo. According the Bronx to, Zoo, he was at, he was at for a few months. According to Wikipedia, no. which could be incorrect, he was at the San Diego Zoo for that for that. Okay, I've got it here. Frank Buck went to work as a temporary director for the San Diego Zoo on July thirteenth, nineteen twenty three. Trying to signed a three year contract with the zoo's founder, so he was not the founder. And then the director of the Bronx Zoo would recommend. Oh, okay, you're right. I thought he was at the Bronx Zoo for a while. He is only as correct as the person who put that entry in there. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> so, it, I mean, you could be totally right. I, I don't know, so it's fine. I really don't know that much about Frank Buck, but I am familiar. And when I, when, when I saw that, the first time that I saw that even, I, was, uh, I, I knew who it was because I'd heard the name before. And it's funny because I've never been to the San Diego Zoo. San Diego's still far. I'm in California, but it's still far. I'm in Northern California. Right. It's a very long state. Yes, it is. I was just excited because I was reading this. I I saw that line. I was like, hey, wait a second. Frank Buck. I was just at his zoo. And this is talking about wild animals catching them. I know who this guy is. That's cool when that happens. I had to look up Soupy Sales. It's a pretty obscure name because, I mean, he was was already long dead by by the time this came out. Um, Another Untold Tales reference. We'll be getting a lot of those in these first 20 issues or so. The fact that Jonah went through a lot of secretaries while Betty was gone, a lot of that was covered in a few issues of Untold Tales of Spider-Man. It was a running gag for uh, the stories that took place between Betty leaving for Philadelphia and coming back that, like, there'd be a different secretary each time Peter was at the Bugle and he'd make a note. Wow, another secretary? That's Jonah's fifth this week, and it's only Tuesday. Da-da-da-da-da-da. Um, and it, there was kind of a similar thing when Betty Brandt left. Um, when she and Ned Leeds got married, they went on a working um, vacation slash honeymoon in Europe. So Jonah didn't have a secretary. And that was when uh, Gloria Grant was hired because before then she was just Peter's, you know, spunky black neighbor. But uh, but there was but, <laughs> but that was the, it, it's yeah, she'd like show up. Hey, Petey. Yeah, you foxy. And look at me. I'm wearing a, you know, a rag over my head because that's how people like me dress in the 70s. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they, they did that again. The whole thing when Jonah could not hold on to a secretary because he's a hard man to work with. And unless your name rhymes with Ant, you're not going to be able to be his secretary. <laughs> so, I, think, I think at this point we should make note that Betty Brant pretty much ruins everything. Because if it wasn't for her, I'm sure Peter would never have gotten on the ass or whatever. I, it, it just feels like this, these last few issues of her kind of crying and running around. She's been like a, <laughs> Wait like, a, like a comes. An event horizon of, of, of disparity. Well, yeah, everything we've done so far uh, in this month of episodes has involved, at least to some extent, the Betty Brandt emotional turmoil. 
And you know, we're seeing the culmination of it here with this huge fight between Spider-Man, Doctor Octopus, a silo, and some animals. Speaking of Betty Brandt, special announcement section. We've received many letters from fans who feel that Betty is too old to be dating Peter. Although we've tried to explain this in the past. No, they haven't. They've never tried to explain this. For those who missed the point, we'll tackle it again. Betty is actually, oh, it's not a year. Betty is actually a few months younger than our hero. She had to leave school and take a job because she needed to the money and she intends to complete her education at night when she gets the chance she only seems older because peter is a high school senior while she is a working girl okay do you like betty's new hairdo hope so because stan had to argue with steve for months before mr d would make the change he claims it's tough enough having to draw these millions of little webs all the time without being a hairstyle expert too i that's probably very true because her hairstyle is more up, up to date than the crappy hairstyle and liz goes the same thing in the next issue right yeah where flashes like head explodes <laughs> yeah by the <laughs> way well, well, i think I mean, that the hairdo was meant to make her look younger because when she first appeared, that was like kind of like an older woman's secretary haircut. The little 60s bowl, you know, haircut is more of a something that you'd think a teenager would wear. It's more. It's also more like iconic because a lot of people. She has this hairstyle for like forever now, and you see it on like a it on a very obvious wig in the Spider-Man movies. You see it in like cartoons. You see it in like modern comic books. So it's here to stay. Hey, I just yeah. see Betty Brandt as, as an example of women's liberation not having caught up with comics at this point. It's, it, I mean, it's another example because there are so many of them, and the, there are even attempts to bring women in, into into comics in a way that maybe either girls can can find a, a way to to look up to them, or that boys can understand that women are people too, something to that effect. And uh, Betty Brand is really just a tool. I mean, there's nothing else to her when it comes down to it. She's not a fully realized character. There are already villains that are better realized characters than this love interest that they're really trying to bring to the forefront at this point. Silver Age girlfriend, that's all. Yeah, and, and you know, she, she works as a damsel in distress. She works as somebody who Peter can fawn over or, you know, have have these feelings for. But there really isn't a purpose beyond that. And, I mean, e even the Invisible Woman and the Wasp in these early Silver Age issues, yes, they are superheroes, but you know what? They faint a lot. Yeah. The, yeah. Stan Lee always talks about how he was such a liberator, you know, for women, and he's like, I decided to and make it's a good Sue. Story. I decided it's to make Sue a hero instead of, instead of the damsel in distress. You know, I was on the forefront of women's lib, but you read that stuff, and oh my, <laughs> my god. Ass. It's a good start. That's the thing. It's just not, it's not there yet. And Be Betty Brandt is not anything close to a superhero. Well, I mean, eventually yep. she becomes Rambo, as you mentioned. She, she's well, my, my daughter and I have read 75 issues of that old Fantastic Four. We've gotten issue 75. And by this point, Sue is pregnant. And of course, she is not engaging in any fights because she's pregnant. But the pregnancy was really just a solidified reason to keep her out of fights. There were plenty of times before that whenever Reed was like, no, Sue, it's too dangerous for you. Um, it became worse when they got married, and it's become a fact of the day now that she's uh, pregnant. I love, I love 60s uh, sexist Reed Richards because he's so, he's so upfront about it. Damn right. it, woman, leave me to my science! But going back to what you were saying about um, Betty's Brant's background and how it hadn't been revealed before, like uh, Stanley says it was there. Um, it was issue nine, the last page, 
where they do give a little bit of an explanation of her background. She says, Peter, I never told you why I left high school last year and took a job. That's vague, though. I'm not counting it as no, like it, it's vague. That they but, tried to explain it. But I think, that's what he's, I think that's what he's talking about there. We did try to explain it, but you didn't get the point. And here we're going to state it out emphatically what's going on. Because it's the sort of thing you would say in dialogue, not putting all of your plot research on the page. Because you, you don't have to put all of your research on the page whenever you're writing a story. I think that he just made it up as he went along. Like, you know, he's like, hey, I'll make the secretary the love interest. Oh, oh, she's too old. Uh, she dropped out of school. There. Canon. Like, it was literally like something that he came up with when he got a letter writer. I mean, when he got a letter written to him. I don't think he knew it in issue, you know, five or whenever was she first appeared, but I think he knew something about it by issue nine. Yeah, I mean, uh, some and even people in the 90s didn't know about the whole Betty thing because someone wrote into Untold Tales saying, I don't get it, you know, why would Aunt May even approve of a relationship like this? And they had to explain it away too. no, 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 Betty dropped out of high school. It's still something that's not really uh, common knowledge among Spider-Man fans. Because uh, yeah, you put it up on the message boards. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if Greg Wiseman doesn't know or if he just chose to make Betty older for the cartoon for you know convenience. I really don't think because, he knows because yeah, because the because the route that Greg Wiseman went on was like you know Peter's going after Betty and it's like an older woman. Oh no, I better stop this and like took Betty out to lunch and said stay away from my nephew. I do really like the final fire scene with the statues and the fire and the Doctor Octopus fight. I think it's another example of Ditko really experimenting and playing with all the different backgrounds he can set with his action. This is the most dynamic fight yet, mm-hmm. in, in in my opinion. This lived in my imagination whenever I was a child. This came to life in my head. All the flames and the giant statues falling over, it was just amazing for me. Well, even Spider-Man fighting Doc Ock on, on the roof is really dynamic. It's really well done. But the silos fight? or Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, the, the silo, and, and then they, they drop down to the rooftop, and uh, I... I think this is the best that it's been so far. This is a this is a top notch issue for I mean all the reasons we said the continuity the action the the art it's just it's a, it's really good and a great cover and a great cover. Look at the gorilla on the splash page. It's that that's not even possible. It, he he's like he has Spider Man's powers or something. Or he's moving. <laughs> and J Jonah Jameson he's typing his editorial, but he has a picture of Spider Man on the wall. Is that like his motivational thing? Like he that's needs his to look, dartboard. He needs to look at it and be like, okay. You can do it as Jonah. Fully <laughs> matches though. It's like and Liz and Aunt May's heads and the way that it is, it looks like like Aunt May's an ancient version of Liz or something. <laughs> it really does. Before and after. <laughs> Try our new anti-wrinkle cream. It's that operation from issue nine. The ads in this book there are for Tales of Suspense fifty three. I don't know if y'all have ever read any old Silver Age Iron Man. It's very clever. I've only read the first issue, but I'll tell you really quick what happened. Somebody came into the comic shop where I work and said, and and laid down a really nice looking copy of the first appearance of Iron Man in Tales of Suspense and said, I'll tell you what, I'm not looking to sell it to your store, but I want to sell it on the internet. If you can tell me how much it's worth, I'll let you read it. I said, let me go wash my hands. (laughs) That's pretty good. I like that. Issue 53, which was being advertised here, did feature the second story of the Black Widow against Iron Man, uh, though she has no costume to speak of at this point. She's just wearing Russian women's clothing of the 60s that, you know, they thought she should wear. Yeah, she, she's not going to get the, the, her classic costume until later issue of Spider-Man. She did have, like, a Black Canary-style costume for a while, though, before she got the cat suit. Um, yeah, sure. She doesn't, she, doesn't have that, she doesn't even have that yet at this point. There's also the Origin of the Watcher, which is dull and boring, having read it. 
the fantastic. Oh, is that where they go to the moon and like there's a blue area on the moon and they like step out? They're like, well, the air is okay. No, and no, then no. the watch. Oh, no, that's the Fantastic Four story. This is actually a follow up much later, um, where they give the origin of the Watcher and why he's a Watcher and why the Watchers never interfere. They actually cause the destruction of some planet. It's actually not that boring. I said that, but it's 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 not great, but it's not bad. The Fantastic Four number twenty six, where the Thing is still fighting the Hulk. Only now the Avengers come to help out because they've been trying to find the Hulk all this time. Only by help out, I mean get in the way. And it's actually a comedy book because the uh, two teams trip over each other throughout the story. I don't know. I don't know. It was so early in the career that the Thing and Hulk fought each other. It was even earlier than that because uh, there was a Fantastic Four cover where um, it's funny because we're talking about Sue Storm because like in the first uh, Fantastic Four issue that the Hulk showed up in, Sue says, goodness, Reed, I was so scared when I saw him that it made me turn invisible. That happens to me all the time. <laughs> I just fade away from sight. And that's all I have. I, I don't. There wasn't anything of interest in the letters column in either of these two issues. Oh, my God. Wait, what about the letters column in the next two issues? If you have something, go ahead. Oh, no, nothing this issue. I'm just reading the letter column for issue 13 now, and I just saw something. Oh, my God. I cannot wait to discuss that. Okay, bring it up, because I, I didn't see anything, but um, I'll let <laughs> okay. you. Okay. Issue 13 was released on March 10th, 1964, with a cover date of June, and the indomitable Jeffrey Taylor is going to take us through it. One, two, three, go. Okay, Menace of Mysterio is the title of this one. Presented with pride by one of the most famous teams in comics, Stan Lee author, Steve Ditko artist, and lettered by Art Simek, who's back. And after the splash page, actually the splash page this time is the beginning of the story, because Spider-Man has just robbed a bank. Sorry? Which is something they haven't really been doing before this point. Yeah, and and it it is very much the beginning of the story. Spider Man has just robbed a bank, and he's I knew it. Jonah was he's right. running away with his bag <laughs> of money and swinging swinging out of the bank, and manages to avoid some cops on the uh, rooftop by by trying to web them, but apparently missing because they're not webbed up in the next panel that they're on. Spider Man swings away into the fog and creates one of his handy dandy web parachutes. Which you love so much. And it's even worse that it's not really Spider-Man. Oh, I'm getting a big warning. Mary Poppins vibe from uh, that panel. Chim chimney, chim chim chiru. So the next day, the Daily Bugle has printed that Spider-Man robbed a bank, and all the people are talking about it. All the people on the street, at the Daily Bugle, and even at the school. Liz even says, when I think how he, how he made a hero of him, uh, what fools we were. How we made a hero of him, rather. And so Peter Parker is very upset about about this, about Spider-Man robbing banks, and he doesn't have any memory of having done it. So he wonders if maybe he did it in his sleep. That's a possibility. Hmm. Maybe he has a split personality like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. So um, he does have a brief discussion with Aunt May, and the gist of that is that they're low on money for the mortgage and that she's worried about that and he's worried about that, but she doesn't want him to worry about that. So he tries to go to sleep but is not able to, probably because he left his police scanner on. Just wanted to point that out. <laughs> and there is there is a bulletin. Spider-Man is struck again during the night. Peter Parker wakes up while well, he wasn't really asleep and says, oh no, changes into Spider-Man really quick and does what? Goes to a psychiatrist. So he goes, to, he goes to some psychiatrist who's apparently working all hours of the night to uh, see if there's anything wrong with him. The psychiatrist says that, yes, we will probe your subconscious and see what we can find because he's really excited about working with somebody like Spider-Man. That this could make his career. But Spider-Man considers that, wait a second, if he probes my subconscious, I could 
potentially reveal my secret identity. So he changes his mind and leaves. A short time later, at the offices of the Daily Bugle, he encounters Betty Brandt, complete with the same hairdo that she was sporting last issue. And, um, yep. And is She's a bit drawn silly. like Uhura here, like a white Uhura. She is actually, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, even even the blouse and her eyes, yeah, like in that middle panel. She's trying to be like the arch eyebrowed and angry person who would prefer a different line of work since she's not big on people who are going to be risking their lives at this point. And Pete says, lay off, will you, Betty? I'm in no mood to be preached to. She says, you've never spoken to me that way before. And uh, so he goes to Jonah Jameson and asks him once again for an advance on his salary, which is not really even a salary because he's a freelancer. But uh, oh. but I'm not asking for much, just a little till I get some more pictures from you. But JJJ sends him on his way. And th- there is another one of those things about tell me the, the secret of how you get all those great crime photos. And he says, no dice. I know you must have some sort of special camera. Yeah. So Peter Parker changes into Spider-Man so that he can maybe spot a crime and take some pictures so that he can get paid for them. But a mob of random citizens see him and chase him down because, well, Spider-Man, as far as they know, just robbed a bank. And so so he decides to just go and get his clothes and go on home because he doesn't want to deal with any of that. The next day on his way to high school, he encounters Liz Allen with an A. Huzzah! Who is also sporting pretty much the same hairdo. A little more curly and wavy. Brandt, just, yeah. Well, it's a little more curly and wavy. The bangs are a bit longer and, and wavier. But, um, it, well, it's it's similar. Yes. She's hitting on Peter as she does at this point, And Flash... Thompson realizes that that's going on. The best panel ever. Look at Flash's head. Yes. He's hey, like, look at that. Wow, we. Flash does his Janice impression and looks two directions at the same time. <laughs> so he makes the comment, Gosh, Liz, I almost didn't recognize you. You're beautiful now. Really, Mr. Thompson. And what was I before, pray tell? Poor Flash, always saying the wrong thing. <laughs> and, at the Daily Bugle, a mysterious figure appears whose name, coincidentally, is Mysterio and tells J. Jonah Jameson and his random lackeys, who we've probably never seen before and will never see again. Oh, I get it. He's called I- Mysterio because he's mysterious. Okay. Is that why it is? Has, no, it's because he has eyes for nipples. Yes. <laughs> that was what I Facebook. Uh, that's what I tweeted today. Whenever I read this book, is like um, goldfish bull head and nipple eyes. Have you Have you ever played the Spider-Man Two movie um, video game? Yeah. When, when he encounters Mysterio for the first time, he says, "All right, I'll bite." How did the fishbowl get stuck to your head? <laughs> I thought that was a pretty good line. But anyway, though, um, Mysterio gives Jameson a letter and then mysteriously vanishes into a poof of smoke. And the note, as Jameson opens it, says, Print a notice in the Daily Bugle saying, If Spider-Man wants to learn the truth about himself, he should meet Mysterio atop the Brooklyn Bridge before the letter itself mysteriously evaporates into a puff of smoke. So JJJ decides that he will print the letter, as he always does when people tell him, Here, print this. (laughs) <laughs> Even though the letter, you know, goes up in a puff of smoke. What if Jonah was a slow reader? <laughs> this letter will self-destruct. Wait, I'm not done. I was trying to figure so, out, like, why he actually handed him the self-destructing letter instead of just saying, please print a notice with, you know, blah, blah, blah. Show off. To fill a couple of panels. Yeah, not that Quentin Beck is in any way theatrical. <laughs> 
Of course not. <laughs> so Peter Parker does read the the ad that Mysterio is placed, and by the way, not paid for in the Daily Bugle, <laughs> and goes to meet him on top of the Brooklyn Bridge, not thinking to himself, huh, I feel like something bad could happen here someday. Oh, we're going to get into that. <laughs> oh, yes. No, I'm sure that you will. Because and somebody so- actually thought it would be a good idea. N- never mind. Never mind. Never, never, never mind. <laughs> So, uh, Spider-Man meets and fights with Mysterio, who pretty much gets the better of him and displays amazing powers. For instance, the ability to hold on to the side of of the bridge at a vertical, not at a vertical, uh, horizontally. It's as though he's holding on to it the, the way that Spider-Man can. Also, Spider-Man shoots a web at him, and the web just stops and disintegrates. I'm not amazed... He- I'm not amazed at Mysterio's ability to stick to the wall. I'm amazed at his leg strength and abdomen strength for keeping his body horizontal against gravity while his boots stick to the wall. Well, he's mm. a stunt man. Those people generally aren't very tall. So he sort of disappears into another puff of smoke, but Spider-Man decides to start punching into it to hopefully find him in there somewhere. But Mysterio gets the better of him and punches him over and over and over again. <laughs> Until eventually he falls off the side of the bridge, just as a whirlybird, the police whirlybird, which is a helicopter, by the way, comes overhead. So Spider-Man decides that he needs to disappear and creates a web dome to put over his head. To help him hold his breath. To help him hold his breath so that he can breathe underwater, basically. Uh, It's another one of those. That's not called holding your breath. I know, but that, well, that's what it says here. <laughs> I know, just saying. So Spider Man, so Spider Man goes home and sulks. Although he does not hang up his costume to stop shrinkage like last time. Uh, I mean, later on, uh, the next day actually, Mysterio is part of a parade. Uh, it looks like a parade of one, but there are all these people along to see the parade because he has stopped. Mysterio seems to have stopped Spider Man, and the only one who doesn't believe that Spider Man is at fault here is Flash Thompson. Good old Flash. Which actually, yes, and that does become a thing for Flash. He's the one who sticks up for Spider-Man. Although Peter Parker, who is also in the crowd, says that, uh, you know, oh, it must be Spider-Man. Well, actually, no, he, he doesn't say that this time. Sorry, I'm kind of breezing through. You're not as dumb as you look, is what he says to him. A short time later at the office of J. Jonah Jameson, J.J.J. Uh, is commending Mysterio for his work and introduces him to none other than Peter Parker, who says that he gets great pictures of Spider-Man. So Spider-Man, t- or well, Peter Parker at this point, takes one of his handy-dandy spider tracers and plants it on Mysterio so that he can track him down later. After a brief discussion with Betty Brandt, which really doesn't establish much of anything that hasn't already been said, Mysterio disappears and Spider-Man goes off to try and find Mysterio using his spider tracker thing and manages to do so. Getting his spider signal, flashes it on Mysterio, who then disappears once again into a puff of smoke and his Spider-Man goes through to punch wildly. Mysterio once again beats him down as he tends to. After that, we get some of the backstory of Mysterio, which it turns out that he is Quentin Beck, who is a, a movie stuntman, special effects kind of guy, who created... Okay, he his helmet is made out of the same material as Spider-Man's eye, eye things, so that he can see out, but nobody can see in. He can spray an acid out of his wrist, essentially, which can stop Spider-Man's webs if he were to 
if Spider-Man were to try to web him up. And also both magnets and springs on his boots so that the magnets are that so that he can hold on to the brick walls <laughs> and the springs are to help him jump so that he can be a bit like Spider-Man. So after explaining all this, Spider-Man reveals that he has a tape recorder and has recorded this entire explanation, including the fact that Mysterio, Quentin Beck, disguised himself as Spider-Man and committed these robberies. Now I have to interrupt you here, Jeffrey, because Quentin Beck yep. left out a very important detail. Okay. He forgot to mention in his origin story that he had actually been involved in fighting Spider-Man several months earlier when he was dressed as a green alien down in the Tinkerer's workshop. That was a retcon. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say. We, we don't find so, that out till years later. I know, just saying, you know, retcons are supposed to be actual continuity. It's, he forgot to mention this. We've actually been before Spider-Man. He didn't feel it was necessary. It's something like that. I, no, I, actually, I didn't know, but that's fine. Oh, yeah, the Tinkerer's story, the aliens aren't really aliens. They're people, and one of them is Quentin Beck. Okay. Oh, oh, I... I, I didn't realize that he was one of them. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's another one named Charlie. Or Chuck, as we call him. <laughs> yeah. So Spider-Man manages to fight through the smoke and punch Quentin Beck so hard that he goes through wherever they are, which I, I don't think was even established before this, but they are on some sort of a movie or television set, and they interrupt the filming of some sort of science fiction uh, space setting for some sort of movie or TV that they're that they're doing, and there are people dressed up as, as aliens, but Spider-Man says, you won't escape me with that smoke cloud again, I'll web you, and they fight, but Mysterio does manage to try and jump away, he jumps on one of the hanging planet props, <laughs> and there's a whole lot of punchy punchy run run as thomas numbers. dj has told me not to say although I, <laughs> I i tend to do my own version of that and i think that's what he's telling me not to say but as long as i gave him credit i think it i think it comes out all right what's your own version of it oh uh, t just depending on on the situation punchy punchy jump jump okay i was In calling it case, punchy which, punchy talk talk yeah see i i think that's valid but uh as the coiner of the phrase he he apparently disagrees there are copyrights yeah Except that there's no copyright, but fair enough. So he tries to use the smoke routine again, but Spider-Man's not falling for it and just beats the crap out of him and then gets his camera so that um, he, he can uh, get some money for the pictures that he's taken and take Quint takes Quentin back off. After the smoke finally clears, people are wondering what the heck happened here. <laughs> and... J. Jonah Jameson finds out that Quentin Beck was Mysterio and that he's been had this entire time. So Mysterio is the guilty one and Spider-Man is innocent. And he, he goes back to the bugle feeling very dejected. But Peter Parker has already stopped by with his developed photos and says that lucky Parker, he must have been there just at the right time. These pictures are perfect for the front page. I'm saved. Stop the presses. We're putting out an extra. That but lucky Parker. You might you might even say that he has that Parker luck. Uh, uh I see what you did there. The line that Jameson should have used uh, whenever he's all upset is, and I can't even blame it on that Parker this time. <laughs> yuck, 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 then, that Parker look. When JJJ is finally feeling at the top of the world once again after feeling dejected about being wrong about uh, about Mysterio, Spider-Man shows up and gives him a stern talking to before webbing him to the ceiling. This is not the first time this has happened. <laughs> no, it, although I actually prefer the one where he webbed his seat. Yes, yeah. that was funny. Yeah, when his teenage secretary comes in and he's not wearing any pants. <laughs> oh, yes. So, so vindicated, Spider-Man swings off and people below say, look, it's Spider-Man, the one who caught Mysterio, even though there's no way that issue of the Daily Bugle could have been printed just yet. But that's, Twitter. that's besides the point. Twitter, you're right, you're right. And so Spider-Man is vindicated by the public and the next day... 
he goes to school and gets a hard time from Flash, but just doesn't take it. Minutes And minutes later, he's swinging off his Spider-Man again, saying, poor Flash, if only he knew the real identity of his favorite hero. It would be worth anything to tell him someday, just to watch him explode. But that day is still in the future, and until then... <laughs> it's, it's true, I've read that one. Until then, fate has many more surprises in store for Spidey. Yes, many, many more. How many? Somebody tell me. 600. Uh, 600 something. Next issue, we present another book-length adventure with an unexpected guest star. We think you'll like it. So, we'll see you then. As of this recording date, 617 amazing adventures in front of them. Okay. Yeah, not counting all of the others. So it's probably about 1,000. It's probably more. Two or 3,000. Yeah, it, it's got to be about 1,500. There's so many Spider-Man series, but not yet. It is funny because uh, they're talking about one day that will happen. And like, yeah, yeah, right. But it actually does. We actually do get some Flash finding out that Peter's Spider-Man, but his head doesn't explode or anything. He does get hit in the face with a dodgeball, though. Well, he deserves it. So so what's everybody's feelings on Mysterio? Actually, to, to join us in this discussion, we have a special guest. So here she is. Hello, I'm Lily, and I'm eight years old. My favorite part of Spider-Man number 13 was um, when they finally showed Mysterio. I like how, like, Mysterio... Like has a floating cape, like a lot of people that have capes. I really like the little fishbowl head. One dumb part of the story was when Jameson found out that Spider-Man was innocent, and because he, he like he's like, no, Mysterio's the guilty one. Spider-Man's innocent. I want to see Mysterio as a villain again. My daughter Lily Wilson, ladies and gentlemen. Wow, that was uh, really interesting thoughts from her. That was cool. Uh, So when Spider-Man says, I couldn't have an imposter, really? Because you don't remember that Russian guy? (laughs) The the comedy he threw out of the helicopter? Remember, didn't this happen to you before? Like, in the first issue of your series? Well, you know, everybody's memory is bad, especially the writers. But he does mention the whole climbing on walls, and and that sort of ties it for me in his mind, uh, the fact that this really is a legitimate Spider-Imposter. And more than anything else, I mean, I, I just think it's a bit ridiculous that Peter would even wonder if he did this sleepwalking. And then the psychiatrist bit, that's even more, that's way overboard. I mean, the, the, this whole sleepwalking idea is, is a bit far-fetched. He's a but paranoid I'm, teenager. Yeah. Nobody, we just had two issues of Doc Ock, but apparently that wasn't enough because nobody notices Dr. Octopus on page three, top panel. <laughs> on the far right there? He's, he's yes. Back. He's bad, and no one, no one's noticing him. The police will sure have a tough job getting him, but they'll do it sooner or later. That's why Betty's looking. That's why Betty's looking so worried in the next panel. Well, by the (laughs) way, now magazines mentioned in that panel. We haven't had to mention him now magazine in a while. Yes. Yeah. Liz has uh, sure gotten over her crush on Spider-Man. By the way, I guess she's moved on to um, you know, geeks. Yeah, no more crush on Spider-Man. Now it's on Peter Parker. Oh wait, it's interesting that um, Liz's hairstyle. Is the is the original hairstyle, but then later in the issue it changes instead of just oh new issue new change. 
Oh, they actually have her change. It's weird because Betty changes, so then Liz changes. And we actually get the first indication of the Betty-Liz love triangle. Well, I wouldn't say it's the first indication because back to issue six, you have Peter trying to make a date with both of them. But Betty's kind of becoming aware of Liz in this issue. And yeah. it's and they meet an issue, and Betty mentions something next issue. Then by issue 15, the girls have met each other. And that's one of the staples for the rest of the series. And they brought it uh, for the rest of the series until he graduates high school, rather. And in Untold Tales for this period, you'd have lots of Betty versus Liz stuff. And it got the girl. It got really ugly with those girls, and it's weird because they became roommates later. The two Elizabeths. Yeah. So once once he gets uh, accused of dressing up as Spider Man and trying to save Betty from Doctor Octopus, from that day forward, no woman can resist him. Pretty much. I mean, you know, trying to save one girlfriend gets him, you know, the attention of another. He's got that magic stick. I love I love on page four that that panel. And the left, where he's like staying awake at night, like just staring at the wall. He looks, he looks really crazy there. It's a fun decoration. I just love bags of money that have dollar signs on them. <laughs> <laughs> in case have you weren't you ever sure seen what that, 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 that Animaniacs episode where, where like they see somebody in a bad mood and they just say, Oh, this will cheer you up. Here, have a bag of money. <laughs> I remember that. I mean, I wish I were like a multimillionaire just so that I could like walk around. I see somebody in a bad mood and just say, Here. Have a bag of money. You notice, speaking of money, they talk about mortgage this issue uh, for Peter's and Aunt May's place. This is kind of because in the early issues we talked about how it seemed like they were renting and they had that like big fat Italian landlord. Yeah. I guess this is where the change happens. You know, Aunt May's not very good at cheering people up. She's like, you're not worried because our savings account is almost gone and it's getting harder to pay the mortgage each month are you we'll we'll make out somehow dear well maybe if you hadn't gone to the hospital for that nip talk a thousand dollars and you're not making it any better now reminding me of all of our problems thanks on that. you're not bothered that your dog didn't really go to that farm upstate right maybe if you hadn't taken that trip to florida may well look at you you ran off to philadelphia that was for love <laughs> oh, please, love. You've known that girl for a few months, Peter. You can be in love after a few months, surely. Her name is Betty, and you don't respect her, and you don't respect me. I hate you. I wish you had died instead of Uncle Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Betty's hair actually does, or not, not Betty. Liz's hair changes in this issue because she's there on on page three, and then she shows up later on on pa- page seven, and then she's got that new hair. That's what Don said earlier. During the night while uh, Mysterio is striking again and while Peter's at the psychiatrist, Liz is at the beauty parlor. (laughs) If this was a movie, there'd be a montage of like, you know, Mysterio striking, Peter sleeping, and then like intercut with scenes of Liz, like combing her hair. La-di-da-di-da. This is going to get Peter. Well, for months, Liz wouldn't give me a tumble. And she learned how to dress. Yeah, well, the girls are getting more modernized because Betty's dressing more like a girl of the 60s, too. Because both Betty and Liz were dressing like debutantes for a while, with their like long, you know, sleeves and their like gloves. Okay. And, and Peter's still wearing a, a suit and tie to work every day, or to to work to school every day. He borrows Clark Kent's suit jacket. If your name is Scott Gardner, please green. fast forward the podcast one minute in time. 
Thank you. Let's do so, it. So in chapter one, <laughs> when, when, when Peter goes... Okay, okay, hold on. Scott, if you're bothered by us ribbing you, please let us know, because we're having fun, but we don't want to hurt your feelings. Go for it, John. No, no, I just, I just know that the John Byrne stuff annoys you, and I'm not doing it to annoy you. I mean, it's dying down because we're leaving some of the chapter one stuff now. When he gets to the Brooklyn Bridge, because obviously that's an important place in Spider-Man's history, he has Spider-Man say, and I don't have the issue in front of me, it's been years, so this isn't verbatim, but he says something like, huh, I always get a funny feeling when I'm at the Brooklyn Bridge, like something bad's gonna happen. Actually, um, we're talking about bridges. Both the 90s show and Spectacular Spider-Man had Spider-Man first meet, or first take on Mysterio on the Brooklyn Brooklyn Bridge. You you remember that? And the animated series in the 90s actually gave a backstory why, because it was like, you're gonna meet me, this is where you made me the man I am, and it turned out that there was a stunt being filmed on the bridge that Spider-Man, you know, yeah. messed up. Or, well, he Mysterio messed it up, but he blamed Spider-Man, so that's where Mysterio... It actually gave him some motivation. Like, he was a stuntman, but uh, because he did, like, too many explosions, Spider-Man had to come and save the person, and it made Mysterio or Quentin Beck uh, blacklisted. So I and, and he, got, he got arrested as well. Yeah, and he got and he got arrested. And well, then, his, like, ul- and his it, ultimate Spider-Man appearance, uh, I mean, he was only in, I think, one issue, wasn't he? I've not read his Ultimate Spider-Man appearances. I really don't know what he's like in that. Mysterio was in the first arc of the new series. Yeah. He was in one issue before the series rebooted. I think it was, yeah, the third annual. And then he was in the first arc of the new series. Okay, because I remember him like being on the on the first splash page of of some issue, but I don't remember which one it was. And then, like, it later turned out that that girl from the animated series who was, like, in the car crash was, like, a, cy- a half-cyborg, half-girl, and she lived underground on life support. And her and she Mysterio, was a bionic woman. And her and Mysterio, the, like... And she looked just like suicide. Mary Jane. So Mary Jane, like, went to complete her role in the movie, but then Mary Jane got ki- Oh, it was madness. And they have little cyborg children. (laughs) That was at the point in the animated series where if it was silly and ridiculous before, they just, like, stepped it up a notch, like... Do they they say his name is Quentin Beck in this issue? He's not named Quentin Beck until later. Oh, I I thought he... Because, yeah, because Jeff kept on saying Quentin Beck, Quentin Beck, I was like, is he here? I I thought I remember seeing it. Quentin Beck, that's, yeah. I told the guys He's not named at all, okay. uh, I I must have just thought it for some reason. I, I don't know why. I thought I saw it somewhere... Probably on on like page fifteen or sixteen, but I'm probably mistaken. Kingpin didn't get a name for the longest time either until oh, many years later. I think I almost want to say that it was in Frank Miller's Daredevil, but I'm not 100% sure on that. I mean, they wouldn't even give the last name Fisk when Vanessa and Richard first appeared, his wife and son respectively. They were just called by their first names. Like they never said Vanessa Fisk and Richard Fisk at first. Right. Kingpin was just Kingpin. Like, a lot of these people did not get names early on. Right. And if you didn't get an origin story in your first appearance, you didn't get an origin story for 20 years. No, not uh, – yeah, we didn't get an Adrian Toomes, like, real name or origin story for years. So we heard uh, uh, Lily's thoughts on Mysterio. What is, what is it where I think of Mysterio? Uh, like him, don't like him? He is uh, one of those villains that? that can be used for some extremely effective, awesome stories – and he can also be used for some really crap stories. He's never been one of my favorites, but would you like you know, to see him in one of the movies? I would like to see him in one of the movies, like as a you know sort of affects Peter Bruce, in like psychedelic, mind altering ways. Um, Bruce, Bruce Campbell. Yeah, that was rumor. I mean, what do you think? 
one of my problems right now is Mysterio is back in the books, which is fine. But the explanation that's kind of been given by the writers and in interviews is, oh, come on, guys, the master of illusion faked it, you know, killed himself. It's not that hard to imagine. But he shot himself in, in the head in front of Daredevil. And Daredevil, like, sensed his heartbeat. It's not like he did this in front of Cyclops or Peter Parker. You know, he did it in front of Daredevil. So I do hope that we're going to get some sort of explanation more so. He's the master of illusion. Yeah. I, I was telling you guys before, I actually had – I was reading the trade and I actually have it right in front of me right now. And it's like – there's no way that he would have gotten out of that one, but hey, it's coming. Cool. It's Daredevil, you know. It's the, you know we're not talking about you know any other superhero. It would have been fine, and then it got messy because there was like three Mysterios running around. There was that one from the Black Cat miniseries, Francis Clum, and there was oh god. It's almost like if you're going to kill Dare, if you're going to kill Mysterio, a master of illusion, and you kill him in front of Daredevil. And you put it in the story that he senses the heart come to a stop. It's almost like you're going out of your way to show that this really is the death of Mysterio. That it's not a Mysterio oh. trick. Kevin Smith like nailed the point home. Like even more so than what Don and me are describing here. There was like a lot more. There did there wasn't a lot of holes. So when they're saying it, oh, he's the master of illusion, you know, I mean, come on, guys. It's There's not no leeway for that. I don't love Mysterio, but I, I don't hate him. There, there, there sort of is this this thing w- with Mysterio that there's not a lot of people who go the middle ground with Mysterio. They either love him or hate him. And in in my mind, well, I'm I'm one of the people. Obviously, I've talked before um, about that I'm a a Superman fan, and a couple of my favorite villains are like Bizarro and Mister Mixus Pitalik, who are some of the wackiest, weirdest villains that there are. And I, I, when Superman Returns came out, and they were talking about a sequel with Brainiac, I thought, yes, do a sequel with Brainiac, and that'll be the big one, and that'll be huge, and it'll make a lot of money. Then they can make the third one. You know who should be the villains in the third one? Bizarro and Mister Mixus Pitalik. Nobody else would like it but me. But that's okay. As long as it's done, that's okay because they'll already have made their money on two. They can then blow all their money on three. They'll be starting to lose his mind here. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I like Mysterio. Actually, I always I was always kind of excited whenever he showed up, and um, I just think his like really his fish head costume, fishbowl costume is kind of fun. And uh, he's not one of my favorite villains, but I do like him. I do like it when he shows up and. I kind of I like that he's back. I don't I don't like how they explain it. It's fun enough. I I, 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 I don't hate him. He's got a really weird, wacky costume, and that's that's a big part of it. He has weird, wacky powers. He's he's basically he's basically Batman. No, he's not. (laughs) Absolutely, he he doesn't have the martial arts skills. But I mean that that didn't come into play until later on anyway. Batman having like serious martial arts skills. But around this time, I mean, just being able to disappear like that, and it, it everything that he does is show. He's the the fact that he dealt with special effects, that's why he's able to do these things. The the thing that they don't really pay a lot of attention to, and, and I think it's fair because it is a comic book, the thing they don't pay a lot of attention to is that when they do special effects in films, that you need to film it a few times to make sure that it's right. It's not going to be right every time, and clearly Quentin Beck, well, I'm calling him that, Mysterio is getting it right every time. But again, it's a comic book. I completely forgive it. I, I just wanted to point it out. I do think the coolest part of the sequences in this book are the 
the um, I'm in a cloud and you can't see me fights. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that's that's pretty effective. I really like that, especially when I was reading it as younger age. He actually does it a lot, doesn't he? Like, I remember in the Remedia issues, he kind of does something similar. He's never been um, a character who I've been excited when he's shown up. Like, oh, cool, it's going to be a Mysterio issue, but I've never been like, oh, man, it's a Mysterio issue. He's just, you know, I've never cared too much either way. I do like um, what they did in the Spectacular Spider-Man TV show, how they kind of played up how he was melodramatic. Right. Like when that guy's like, why didn't you make one of the robots that Spider-Man arrested not be you? Are you kidding? And then have someone else take credit for Mysterio? Right, right. Yeah, and, and, and in fact, when you asked me to be on the show, you gave me a list of, okay, here's what we're going to be talking about. And I, I didn't want to be the first one to, to take an issue. I, I wanted everybody else to pick what they wanted first. But when Mysterio was left, I'm like, I will totally take Mysterio <laughs> for, for, for the recap. And then I ended up taking the Electro one one as well, which uh, <laughs> I guess at this point was two, two episodes ago. <laughs> yeah, two yeah. episodes ago, or for those of you uh, to, who want to peek behind the curtain, six hours and 21 minutes ago. <laughs> wow. I kid you not, that is how long we have been doing this. We've gone insane. Dude, Jay and Does Jack, anybody have a loved one who's do, going to like beat them up? They have like 24-hour, uh, there's like that 24-hour podcast that those lost people do once a year for charity or something, like... T- we can do that. <laughs> we just need to do this, like, you know, three more times. I mean, and we're in. No loved ones want. Yeah, so hey, anybody ready to go on to issue 14? Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> My stomach is not. <laughs> There is an ad in this book for the Avengers number five, and I think it's kind of cool that the ads have shown us Fantastic Four 25 and 26 and then this because that's the Hulk's last three appearances before we see him next episode. I'm not exactly sure. I can't remember specifically why on the cover it shows him as being part of the Avengers team because he's not really part of the team in the story and he doesn't stick around after that story. But the X-Men number five does feature another Brotherhood of Evil Mutant story. And they're going to be a frequently recurring villain group for the X-Men, obviously. But it's done so much that letter writers complain that Magneto has worn out his welcome and they need to figure out some other villain for the X-Men. But they're both still, they're both still solid books. And we have a letters page. Oh, yes. Okay, so somebody did predict that there would be consequences for the blood transfusion. And let me read that out loud. One more question on Spider-Man. Well, it was stated as well. If his blood contains whatever it was that gave him powers and he transferred some of his blood to Aunt May, will Aunt May have some traces of spider powers in the future? Please don't make Aunt May into a spider woman. Somehow I just can't picture her in a purple and red costume swinging from a spider web. Purple? Yeah. yeah, it's something to well, think he, about. He he did well. He did say that he didn't want to give her blood for the transfusion because he was bitten by a radioactive spider, and therefore there could be something wrong. Something wrong with his blood. Liz it wasn't guilted specific. him into poisoning his aunt. Alice. Well, I if I if, if I ever saw an issue where I may is jumping around spider powers, I would I would to quote Kevin Cushy, I would punch my comic book. Well, let's we did see get now. In Aunt May in costume as Spider Woman. Hmm. We did get Aunt May in an Iron Man armor fighting robots in Doctor Doom's castle back in two thousand and five. Thank you, Spider Man the other. One of the most craptacular stories ever. That and and war games were going on. I hated comic books. <laughs> oh God, two thousand and five. What a horrible 
eventful year for comics. Because <laughs> you, you and me both bought Batman and Spider-Man dudes. We're like, Gah. The other I'll- actually made me drop Spider-Man for a few months. Because, like, after that was done, it was so bad. And then, like, I was like, well, at least now, back to regular. St- what? Road to Civil War? Oh, no, no. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I, I, I just started who- working at a comic book store uh, not long after that. So, basically, anything that I had thought about dropping i didn't and the probably at this point the only reason that i'm still collecting most of the modern comics that i collect is because i work at a comic store i could probably drop my books down to like eight yeah or do like michael bailey do like one how was uh yeah, how was I'm, superman in 2005 I'm, I'm, not, I'm not ready to i'm not ready to drop superman yet well, i'm sorry what was the question superman in 2005 was it a bad year for him too well, i'm <laughs> trying to think i'm trying to think what happened in 2005 this was the big build-up to infinite crisis oh which was a very superman centric story you know i yeah, did there, i did there was like, a lot going on like superman, but there was even more going on with uh with with Supergirl at the time. She was so completely involved in everything leading up to Infinite Crisis. And then during Infinite Crisis, she was just part of the battle going on in space. I did like in 2006 some of the one year later stuff. There was some pretty cool stuff there. There was some some good one year later stuff, but you know what one of the best ones was, and this is really weird? Aquaman. Wasn't that like where it revealed that Aquaman was dead and there was this new guy? Yes, Aquaman is dead. There was a new Aquaman. I believe it was Busiek who was doing it at the time. Or it became Aquaman Sword of Atlantis oh, at, God. at that point. And that was the one year later. But, but seriously, I mean, that first issue is really, really well done. It totally hooked me in and it was funny because at that time the comic store that i was going to i was not working at, at the comic shop at that time but the the other one that i was going to um had a limit on the one year later stories you could not get even if you were were ordering them unless you advanced or advanced ordered them you could not get more than one copy of any of the one year later stories except for aquaman I just... and aquaman was one of the best ones huh you know what else oh, happened in May, May 2005? Green Lantern number one. The uh, the beginning of the what march towards Blackest Night. Yeah, well, that that was after Rebirth. Yeah, Rebirth, but, you know, whatever. They, they did Green Lantern number one and uh, then soon did the Green Lantern Corps Recharge miniseries, which came with a Green Lantern ring. Woohoo! And I they've do. already had they've had two in the past uh, few months that come out with a Green Lantern ring, and, and that, that's really cool. For me especially, because when I asked my wife to marry me i i could not afford a ring for her i i eventually did get her a really nice ring but i gave her my green lantern ring that i got with the green lantern core recharge how did that fly she lost Uh, it did she wear it and she did wear it and she took it off we were moving across the country and she took it off in a hotel room and and uh left it on the bathroom sink i guess so she felt really bad about that i did eventually get her a metal one and then i also when the new ones finally came out i got a ton of those because I work at a comic shop and we had extras. Right. I just remember that 2005 was the middle of that horrible Devin Grayson arc on Nightwing where he gets <laughs> everyone dies that he knows. His, his circus blows up, up. His building blows up. He gets raped. Oh, yes. And but By Tarantula. It's, yeah, and he follows his rapist around for the next few months, which if that was done with a woman, DC would have been burned to the ground. But it was a man, so it's okay. Then, after that, he joins the mob Mafia, not under an assumed name, not as a cover. No, he joins the mafia as Dick freaking Grayson. 
and it's not a cover story. He's joining the mafia because he's actually joining the mafia. Then he becomes a supervillain and works for Deathstroke. Oh my god, that was a horrible story. But it's okay, because well, year one was good, but that was Year like, one was good, and that was in the middle of that. I was, honestly didn't care for year one, but whatever. Yeah, but yeah, and then, uh, and then one year later, which was, let's see, three Nightwings. One of them's a woman, and Jason Todd is there, and he turns into a mutant slug that eats people, and Dick Grayson becomes a male model. Oh god, that was crap. Yeah, because... And and I'm still firmly of the belief that when it comes to Batman, the Batman that I know that I grew up with in comics was defined by two major events in his life. The first one being the death of Thomas and Martha Wayne, his parents, which, you know, brought him into being Batman later on in his adulthood. The other thing that really, in my mind, defined the character was the death of Jason Todd. And that's the Batman that I grew up with. So bringing back bringing Jason Todd back. Yes, it, it did provide an opportunity for some cool stories and. And some bad stories, by the way. Uh, One yeah. good story. Countdown looking at you. But oh God, Donna Troy was well, a machine gun. His his role in Countdown was not necessarily that awful. Well, I mean, for the most part, there were, there were some issues where it really went downhill, but then it kind of bounced back. So his his role in that was kind of okay. But I still am firmly of the belief that that Jason Todd should never have been brought back to life. Me, me too. Me three. It's, it's like bringing Uncle Ben back to life. Everyone's three, been brought I've, back to life at this point. I've, I, I've said it for a long time the three people and I said this before they brought him back that the three people in comics who can never be brought back to life are Uncle Ben Gwen Stacy and Jason Todd now Gwen Stacy's clone is still walking around she's been around ever since Gwen Stacy died she hasn't been seen in about 15 years or so well she went over to the DC universe and died during the clone disease era And I mean, you know, but Norman Osborn coming back, that was a really big deal. And now he's been back for so long and he's done so much since he's been back and he's played such a big role that a lot of a lot of people forget. Like that was a a sacred cow, Norman Osborn. But it's like it's kind of accepted now. Bucky never bring back Bucky. And yet he's awesome. He died in a flashback, though. So I don't see, I was I, I kind of understand why people don't people care that much, but whatever. Well, he died in a flashback, but he stayed dead for a long time. Is is the thing? And with with Bucky, because I, I I love Captain America. After Spider Man, Captain America is my second favorite Marvel character. And I I've read a bunch of the stuff from the '40s. I actually haven't read that much from from the Silver Age, to be honest with you. But um, bringing back Bucky, the only reason that worked is because of the writing, and that worked from the writing and. Right. And bringing bringing back Jason Todd. Not only did I have a problem with it, but I just didn't think it was that great. And wasn't it Judd Winnick who brought him back? Yeah. Yes. And I I have some issues the, with Judd with Judd Winnick anyway. I mean, some some characters kind of deserve to be brought back, like like Hal and Stephanie Brown because they went out in a crappy way. Oh god. Some characters that like it's just never a good idea, like Jason Todd. Hal didn't necessarily go out in a crappy way, but Jeff Johns did a really good job bringing him back. I mean, Hal went out. What? Well, Okay, he was brought back as the Spectre before Jeff Johns brought brought him back. He, Jeff Johns didn't really like bring him back to life, but the way that he went out by saving the Earth by reigniting the sun that was pretty cool. That was back in like 1996. Final night, I remember that. But I sorry, I'm, I'm I'm getting a bit DC heavy in a Spider-Man co- podcast. I love Spider-Man, but DC is pretty much my adolescence. 
So, dear Stan and Steve, I'm somewhat of a newcomer to Spider-Man, but I think he's great. And I mean wonderful. Issue 9 was rather sad with Peter's Aunt May being sick and all, but still, the story was very good. I enjoyed the plot. Don't let Aunt May die, please. It would ruin everything. Oh, boy. For sure she'd agree with you, Marcy. So, <laughs> do, we have, um, do we have Marcy to blame for one more day? We have Marcy to blame for one more day for the final chapter that night, that 98 crossover where they brought Aunt May back for every single Aunt May revival. I remember when I first read that as a little kid. And I was like, this. I was like, I was trying to figure out how it made sense because I was, I didn't think anything sucked when I was when I was a kid. So I was like, okay, I can do this. How does this make sense? And I, I can never do it. Aunt May. Oh, that was such a tease because I was so excited about because I remember because I was reading that as it came out and they were teasing for Baby May to come back because they were having all these hints and that one agent of Osborne. She had this crib that she kept on talking to and she was oh. the, she was the person who was at the hospital like when all this stuff with Baby May happened and she's talking about a package that she has and then she goes to the parkers and like she whispers to mary jane her dying breath may is alive and like it's like this is gonna happen you know he's gonna get his baby back and then he's like all right osborne i'm gonna get my daughter and there's nothing you could do to stop me and it's like a pun he opens the door and it's aunt may and she hits him on the head with a vase and i'm like no 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 can I can I just point out really quick that the ridiculous ad right after the letters page? Oh, go for it. We do it all the time. I'll help you master Yubi Waza. Can you can you help me pronounce it first? Yubi Waza is is the secret, amazingly easy art of self defense that turns just one finger or your hands into a potent weapon of defense without any bodily contact. You pay one ninety eight. <laughs> and you get to learn Yubi Waza. And there's this thing from, from oh, uh, Fleming, who's the guy who, I guess, created this or invented this. His wife, it says, I weigh only 98 pounds, yet I can paralyze a 200-pound attacker with just a finger because I know Yubi Waza. Says Yoshi Imanami, pretty Japanese wife of N.J. Fleming. Yubi Waza master. <laughs> And it credits her as pretty Japanese wife. Oh I want a pretty Japanese wife. No, I've already got a wife. That would be big of me. That's not okay. I, I, I don't condone that. <laughs> I and it's getting late. <laughs> I'm just talking. Like, who, who, says it? who says this? Who says this? It's just the wrong thing. And then we have a big big of me argument over over a Spider-Man podcast. Peter's been a bigamist. He was married to Gwen, and he was married to Mary Jane during House of M. He was Don't make me remember House of M. Actually, Please. Peter remembers House of M, but he doesn't remember his marriage to Mary Jane, so Peter remembers being married to Gwen, but he doesn't remember being married to MJ. Okay, alright, where's my gun? House of, I M, House of M was the first time that I really tried to get into the X-Men, and wow, what an awful time to try and do that. And I did read the Spider-Man issues along with it. My biggest problem with that is that there is not a place within the House of of M story where the Spider-Man issues can take place. Actually, I continuity it wise, there is not a spot because once I you worked get it out with I worked it out with Brevorts. Okay, you tell me. Okay, so at the end he kills himself, right? But like uh -huh. it turns out he's living in the mountains. But in House of M, when you say it can't take place, you know, he's on the streets and he's bald and he's saying hi to the people and like that that's your problem with it, right? He's not supposed to be out in public because right. he's dead. Okay. There was a line at the end of the miniseries where it's talking about how like some people still believed he was still alive, like an urban legend, and sometimes like there there'd be Spider Man signs like there would be Bigfoot sightings. That's what this basically was. He was going to the city and these were like people that still believed in him or whatever. Ever. I posted that as an explanation on a message board, and Tom Brevoort responded, actually, that's exactly true. I think he was just, you know, saying, okay, that's it, sure, that works. But it's continuity, well, Brevoort said it was. 
But here's or, what you've or, been waiting for, we hope. The scoop about our next Spider-Man. We're just starting to write and draw it now, so we can't guarantee it's great. But the villain is called the Green Goblin. The evil officers <laughs> are back. Remember them from mission number 10? And we even throw in that jolly old green giant, the Hulk, for good measure. The way it looks to us, even if it's bad, it'll be good. So look for Spider-Man number 14. It won't be hard to find. It'll be the one everybody's fighting for. And the episode will feature two Hulk fans extraordinaire, Brad Douglas and Michael Bailey. So next month, we are going to have episodes covering the Green Goblin, Craven, Giant Man, Daredevil, and the Sinister Six. Doc Ock. And in his attempt to conquest Betty Brant's again, meets his one true love. <laughs> oh, God. Spider-Man meets the person who will co- who will be doing intricate plots in the future. You know, year-long plots with clones and babies and, you know, taking over the world. And what's his first plot going to be? Lure him to Hollywood and hit him on the head with a rock. Dun, dun, dun. All this and Peter Parker goes to the circus? What? <laughs> So, Amazing Spider-Man, we have 13 issues down, 617 to go. Oh, and Aunt May mentions a hot piece of ass that she wants to set Peter up. (laughs) (laughs) Peter, this hot piece of ass! Come on! You gotta tap that! Aunt May, I'm already tapping Betty's ass. Mary Jane Watson's more experienced. Aunt May, not in front of the guys. Thank you so much for joining us, Jeffrey. Um, Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. This, this is really awesome. I'm, I'm glad to be able to to be a part of the show. Once again, Jeffrey Taylor is the co-host of From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast, which can be found at the supermanhomepage.com or just Google From Crisis to Crisis. It is an excellent I haven't way. Googled From Crisis to Crisis. Does, does that work? I know that if you Google Jeffrey Taylor, you don't find me at all. But if you Google Jeffrey Taylor Superman, you'll find a bunch of my stuff. You get some and links. Every- you get some links on the Superman homepage website to the episodes. So yeah, it that, that makes sense. But um, but but also, I mean, if you Google Superman, the Superman homepage is the first actual website up there. Okay, cool. There's the images, the obligatory Wikipedia entry, and then the Superman homepage. Well, Jeffrey, the time has come, as it does every month, when I look over at you and I say. You can reach Amazing Spider-Man Classics by sending us an email at AmazingSpiderManClassics at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook by searching Amazing Spider-Man Classics. The website, AmazingSpiderMan.Libson.com, is the home of the podcast. You can leave comments there. Or you can subscribe to the podcast at iTunes and leave us reviews. We would be very, very glad if you did that. This has been another fantastic episode of Amazing Spider-Man Classics. Thank you for listening. Good night. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, welcome
Well, thank you for listening to another episode of Amazing Spider-Man Classics. If you look down at the counter on your computer or iPhone or whatever else you use to listen to this podcast, you'll see that there's still quite a bit of time left in the episode. And um, that's Jeffrey's fault. See, we were going rather long and late with this recording and getting kind of punchy, and at one point Jeffrey decided to bring up a certain subject that we are going to present to you unedited now in all of its... Glory? Is that the word I'm looking for? Maybe. So I'm going to blame Jeffrey Taylor for this one. So if you think the following ten minutes are funny, you can thank me for leaving them in the show on the blooper reel. If you don't think they're funny, blame Jeffrey. Without further ado, Star Wars Pants. He doesn't want to uh, betray his feelings for Betty. Your thoughts betray you, Jonah. I feel the good in you. The conflict. Disturbance. <laughs> Happy Star Wars Day, May Fourth. So, me unlimited power. Unlimited power. And your lack of apathy, disturbing. Have you ever played the Star Wars pants game? It's where you take lines from Star Wars and replace certain keywords with pants. Look I at the size of, of that thing dis- in my pants. I find your lack of pants disturbing. There it is. Curse my middle pants. I wasn't fast enough. There's a disturbance in my pants. Oh my god. Yeah, that's. <laughs> How oh, there are so many great ones. I've 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 literally gotten like a hundred, and I I can't think of all of them off the top of my head. Here we go. Here we go. You, you don't need to hear all of them anyway. Obi Wan never told you what happened to your pants, did he? Good one. Good one. <laughs> you love him, don't you? Well, yeah, fine, fine. When he gets back, I won't get in your pants. <laughs> Good oh, one. Man. You will then be cast into the great pit of. I don't know. I'm thinking something about like. A, Getting tossed into the pants instead of Sarlacc, but I can't like figure out the line. The great pants. Rise, my pants. Yeah. <laughs> there, uh, was a, there was a great disturbance in my pants. I yes. have felt it. Because that's Tarfin. <laughs> I have. There's a great dis- I have felt it. Admiral Tarkin. Thought I sensed your foul pants when I was brought on board. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! The pants strike back. <laughs> the phantom pants <laughs> attack of the pants be gone this pants horse has or or, or pants look, of the clones look at me judge me by my pants do you <laughs> yes and then and, and uh, th- this game actually came uh from england my sister uh, apparently discovered it when she was at oxford and in england pants means underwear oh Wow. You came in that pants? You're great. You're braver than I thought. Oh! <laughs> oh! Oh, no! You came in that pants? <laughs> Maybe wow. you'd like it back. Maybe you'd like it back in your pants, your highness. <laughs> well, yeah, because they, um, like, what we call either belt bags or fanny packs. They do not call fanny packs because fanny does not have the same meaning in the UK that it does here. <laughs> Get into your furry pants. I don't care what you smell. <laughs> okay. Okay. So this is that's gonna be that's gonna be the blooper for the episode. Just like the five yeah. minute tangent on Star Wars pants. <laughs> that, that's it right there. I'm gonna put that at the end. <laughs> okay. So Betty, luckily, isn't getting raped or sexually assaulted because she's on yes. the top of the Ferris wheel. <laughs> and uh, 
But she is worried. She's like, but what if he doesn't show up, Spider? That would be too bad for you, my dear, for you. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, he sets her down because he thinks that maybe that'll help for the photographer. God. But she decides, hey, wait a second. I'm a girl and girls have long fingernails and I'll use that to cut my ropes free. You know, between pages uh, six and seven, there was some uh, dirty activities on Octo- Otto's part. Go ahead and clean yourself up. <laughs> You are unwise to lower your pants. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, this is good. this is not going to end like randomly throughout the show. <laughs> Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your pants. No, I, I already used that one. He said you pants them. He told me you pants. <laughs> Chewie and me got into a lot of pants more heavily guarded than this. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> awesome. awesome. You cannot teach him. The, the boy has no pants. <laughs> Can I win I can? I have the pants. He will get pants. Much pants. In his on pants, him. you will find new definition of pain and suffering. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. That's that's a Sarlacc one. I think you can't bear to let a gorgeous guy like me out of your pants. God, you guys know your clothes. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> I can hardly stand. Pull up. All pants, pull up. <laughs> Alderaan is peaceful. We have no pants. (laughs) I sense the conflict within you. Let go of your pants. Oh, man. That's actually a good quote to get a girl out. That's getting cut. It better be cut. Oh, my God. I can't even think. I'm, like, trying to come up with different Star Wars lines now. Lock the door and hope they don't have pants. (laughs) (laughs) This little one's not worth the effort. Now let me get you some pants. No blasters! No blasters! Obi-Wan was right. You're breaking my pants. You know, I think those pants might have been stolen. <laughs> They're up for sale if you want them. <laughs> Don't do that. My, pants are, the pants, my pants are dirty, for. too. He's passing younglings. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Master Skywalker, there's too. I, that's not even a pants line. I just that's my favorite part of Revenge. Master Skywalker, there's too many of them. What are we going to do? Take off your pants. Oh. Obi, Someone Obi please one. get this walking carpet out of my pants. Oh, wow, that's one of the best ones. So, a tremor in the pants. The Death Star has cleared the pants. The Death Star has cleared the pants. Search your pants. You know it to be true. Use your <laughs> pants, Luke. Don't under. Han will have those pants down. We've got to give him more time. <laughs> pants will be back in greater numbers. Tell that to Jabba. If you're lucky, he might only take your pants. <laughs> I've been thinking oh, about this, this sh- long time. We've been doing this for twelve minutes. Are you I'm so bad for John. There's no <laughs> mystical energy field that controls my pants. It's your limitless. Your father's pants is the weapon of a Jedi Knight. Not as clumsy <laughs> or random as pants. A more elegant for evening wear for a civilized. How did my father get pantsed? Where are you a going? Jedi it's like going nowhere. I'm going to go finish cleaning those pants. A young Jedi named Darth Vader was a pupil of mine until he something with pants. I don't know. I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> he, he betrayed and pantsed your father. I only hope that the pants are analyzed and a weakness can be found. It's not over yet. 
I don't what know. What is your pants? What do you what? think? A princess and some pants and me? <laughs> okay, hold on, hold on. Boy, it's lucky you have these pants. I use them for smuggling. I never thought I'd be smuggling myself in them. Oh, God. This is so loose. Only now, in my pants, do you understand. <laughs> hey. Oh. Okay, enough of that. <laughs> you have failed. I happen to like my pants. <laughs> so, if you will not be pantsed, you will be destroyed. Luke, help me take my pants off. Remember, but you'll die. In the pants. Help me take my pants off. But you'll die. Nothing can stop that now. Dangerous to your Starfleet commander, the... not to these pants. Last time I felt it was in the pants of my old master. I have just reserved word that the Emperor has dissolved of his pants permanently. I find your lack of pants disturbing. Yeah, that was one of the first ones. <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, so there's some rape going on on Cody. So by this time, Spider-Man... <laughs> <laughs> I'm a toy daddy and pants don't work on me. That's enough. Okay. This is... This like this podcast has deteriorated <laughs> as the time has gone on. We've it's like we've gotten more drunk. Y'all, <laughs> those worse? aren't pants. They're a space station. Oh, dude. No, we try gotta, not. Do or do not. Everything's there here. No All the coordinates are right except no pants destroyed <laughs> by the Empire. <laughs> pants couldn't be destroyed. It would take a thousand starships with more firepower than. The force is what gives a Jedi his pants. It's an energy field. <laughs> Just for once, let me look at you with my own pants. It surrounds us and permeates us. It binds the pants together. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Imperial you, troops have entered the pants. Win. Imperial troops the, have entered the pants. <laughs> you can't win, but there are alternatives to pants. Hokey religions and ancient weapons are no match for good pants at your side, kid. What are you doing? <laughs> You're not actually going into the pants, are you? They'd be crazy to follow us. <laughs> Kenobi, you're my so only the pants. old man managed to shut down the pants. <laughs> <laughs> you know what started all this? The concept of Dr. Octopus raping Betty Brant, which we've been talking about for the last three hours. <sighs> How do you get so big eating pants of this kind? Slimy mud hole, my pants. This is. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> this is madness. We're doing. That's, that's actually a three PO line. This is madness. Someone has to save our skins. Into the pants, fly boy. Y'all are more. Y'all are more Oh That's my no god. Pants. Okay. It's a space station. Are we, we good? We good? <laughs> We're good. The bounty hunter we ran into on my pants changed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> okay, continuing. Okay. Uh, but, okay, okay, okay. In the context of pants, get in god. there, you big furry elf. I don't care what you smell. Oh, oh. Christ, oh my. Well, that's one of those good sexually tilted lines along with a uh, rise, my friend. So, you have a pair of pants. Obi-Wan was wise to hide them from me. Now <laughs> his failure is complete. Got him. I got him. Great kid, don't get cocky. 
<laughs> There's still two more of them. <laughs> Get out of their wedge. You can't do any good back there. Sorry. Let him go. Stay on the leader. Okay. Back to Spider-Man. <laughs> John, I just saw your Facebook status. <laughs> Help me one. Kenobi, you are my only pants. <laughs> General Kenobi, years ago you served my father in his pants. Now he begs you to help in his struggle with his pants. Can't do it anymore. We got it. We got to go. We got to keep going. <laughs> oh wait, oh, one more. One more. I have hidden information vital to rebellion in these pants. One one last sexually tilted line from Star Wars. Come, good food. Come. <laughs> oh 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 wonderful. Oh Star, happy it's, Star Wars Day. It's actually, protein. It's after <laughs> oh, here it is. 